0: we don't cite black women we don't listen to black women as a whole now so it definitely makes sense that a hundred years ago her voice wasn't heard you know you look at Zora Neale Hurston she died a poor woman (laughs) but we have so much reverence now for her work but only in retrospect do you
1: remember exactly when
2: Hey there, this is Steph from StephFuchio.com with another episode of Geopets Podcasting, where we hope to shake up your podcast creation process by listening to how others use the medium around the world. This episode is sponsored by Podcorn at Podcorn.com, a marketplace connecting podcasters to advertisers. There'll be much more about them in a bit, but first about today's episode. We are firmly seated in the United States for this conversation. Well, No, that's not true. I am actually currently in Tirana, Albania. And for more on that, you can go to my Twitter or Instagram, which is at S-T-E-P-H-F-U-C-C-I-O. But our guest in this episode, Aselica Smith of the Colored Girl Beautiful Podcast, is in the United States. Although Aselica was touched by the places that she lived in, in Latin America... Earlier in her life, it is her time travel to engage with African-American singer, political activist, and author of the book, The Colored Girl Beautiful, that inspired the podcast, Emma Azalea Hackley, that brings her on the show. Actually, I became aware of Azaleca when I saw her on the Podcasters Roundtable. She is one of those people that expresses ideas in such a down-to-earth and insightful way that I knew I had to meet her. And you all know that this podcast and many of my podcasts is just a recorded excuse to meet people I admire, right? Uh, Anyway, there's a link to that appearance on Podcasters Roundtable in the show notes, of course. During this conversation, Estelle and I dig into the emotional, racial, and creative layers woven into her podcast, and there are many. We also tap into the practical side of creating a podcast because the fact that she did the Google Podcast Creators Program, a master's degree, and worked a full-time job while creating season one of The Color Girl Beautiful is nothing less than amazing, and I'm pretty sure we can all learn from her. A special shout-out needs to go to the producer of The Color Girl Beautiful, Nicole Hill. And trust me, as you listen to this conversation, you'll know exactly why we want to say thank you so much, Nicole, from the bottom of our earbuds. And just a quick heads-up, Season 2 of The Color Girl Beautiful is starting very, very soon, so you can go to coloredgirlbeautiful.com or, of course, download it in your favorite podcast app to catch up or to hear it for the first time or to fully catch up before Season 2 starts. Finally, Geopass Podcasting is hosted on Captivate FM an insanely creator-oriented hosting service with personality, marketing know-how, and more. So yeah, I highly recommend them. I've got an affiliate link in the show notes for you. So if you're curious about starting your own podcast or you wanna switch your hosts and experiment with another podcasting host, please feel free to try them out for seven days free with this link. All the information you could ever want about this episode are available at stefffuccio.com forward slash podcasting forward slash 15. I
1: wanna write a history. I wanna take it step by
2: Thank you so much, Aselika, for joining us on Geopats Podcasting.
0: Absolutely. So good to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so amazing to have you here.
2: The first thing we usually do, because we we talk to people all around the world that do podcasts, is kind of establish your geopatness. So, and this doesn't have to be necessarily a place, but what places or cultures have deeply influenced you in your life? And a quick list is fine.
0: Oh wow. I'll try to be brief. This could this one question I could probably spend two hours just answering. Um I, I grew up in, in West Virginia and so I, it was sort of a it was a small city, city, I say that with air quotes, but there was not much in terms of, of diversity where I was. I am a black woman. There were not very many black people, but there were even less Of any other culture. (laughs) So once I got to college, I had the chance to study abroad in Mexico, in Costa Rica. I spent my last year of college in Puerto Rico. So I've really... Learned a lot living abroad, not just in those countries, but like meeting people from other countries who were in places like Mexico and Costa Rica and just like seeing how other people exist outside of their comfort zone. It was a really big step for me to to travel abroad, you know, by myself. And I just gained a whole new appreciation for One, like all the people at home who love me. (laughs) And two, just what the world is like outside of the U.S. Because it's, you know, very different. I think people have a different perspective on what it means to exist with other people outside of the States. So I've had some really wonderful experiences studying abroad in those countries and meeting people from, I mean, Europe, Africa, like, you know, all over while I was was studying. You said that people outside the
2: U.S. have a different way of being, you said it more eloquently than I'm about to paraphrase, but being around other people. Can you dig into that for a second?
0: Yeah, I just felt, I felt like when I got to Mexico, for example, I just had very little knowledge of, I mean, One, Mexico, and then two, literally any other place outside of the States. But I met people, for example, from Germany who spoke several different languages, who just had this bigger understanding of what it means to exist in the world and not just in the country where you live, you know? And I don't know if it's just the people I met, but I I feel like the people who I've encountered who are also traveling abroad have just that sort of bigger sense that I really appreciated it. Like, I just didn't know that my news was that I was getting in the States was only my news. I wasn't looking at news from other parts of the world. Whereas the Germans I met, they knew all about the news in the US and in other countries, you know, like there was just this larger awareness of what it means to exist that I had no idea was a thing until I left the States.
2: That's Amazing. I didn't know that about you. Um, I found a lot of stuff about your podcast, but I didn't actually find a lot about you online. A lot of folks have a lot of information about
0: them. So it was kind of interesting for there to be that mystery. (laughs) I mean, it's a little bit intentional. I'm like not super 100% comfortable, like putting me out there per se. You know, if I were braver, I would have had a lot more like monologue in my show. But I just I couldn't, narrow the focus down to me quite that much. I just wasn't comfortable doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: let's get to that in a second. But let's introduce your podcast before I forget. (laughs) So can you take a second to tell the listeners the name of your podcast, where they can find it, because some folks don't make it all the way to the end. So we're going to do it both places. So name of the podcast, where they can find it and what it's about.
0: Yeah, so I have a show called The Colored Girl Beautiful. It is available anywhere you can download podcasts podcast. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, all the podcast places. So my podcast is about uh, Black womanhood broadly and specifically in the context of this book that was written 100 years ago, over 100 years ago. It is also called The Colored Girl Beautiful by a Black woman named Amazelia Hackley. It is the first etiquette book ever written for Black women. And so the show is sort of my way of exploring my thoughts and feelings about what was written in them book.
2: And do I remember this right that the book was no wait you started reading the book in 2016 but it was part of your graduate program? No I'm mixing this all up.
0: (laughs) It's okay so I started I discovered the book while I was in grad school because another one of my classmates used it for her project and so after that discovery I decided to use it for my thesis project. So it was not a part of my regular coursework, but it became the sort of crux of my graduate education um, because this is the big project that I was working on for, what, two years, two plus years. And that was the thing that I was judged on, you know, in terms of whether or not I would get my degree.
2: (laughs) And how in the world were you able to handle working on a podcast and your master's program at the same time? because that's a lot.
0: Yeah. And well, so the the master's program part, I mean, it was relatively, I'm not going to say easy. You were going to say easy. <laughs> was, and then I changed my mind cuz that is not the right word. Um, but was what was straightforward about it is that I had finished all of my coursework by the time this came around. That's the whole point of like the thesis part is that you focus solely on your thesis. So I wasn't, you know, I say often like I didn't have to, be in a place at a time for class. So all of my work was focused on creating the show. And that was also serving the purpose of me completing my master's. Now I was also am still working a full-time job. That was pretty bananas. Yeah. Wait,
2: wait, wait, you were working the full-time job while doing finishing up the master's yes.
0: thesis and doing the podcast. <laughs> Did you sleep ever? <laughs> Not much. And then, you know, so the show was the show was a part of the Google Podcast Creators program in 2019. Mm -hmm. I spent pretty much the first half of the year traveling, really didn't have a ton of time to produce while we were participating in the program because you're like Mm -hmm. learning about storytelling and you know, all of these things. But I was working full time then as well. I am fortunate to have a work situation that's flexible enough that allows me some time off. So that that helped. But I mean, that's not something you can do. Like, I can't take a day or two off every week, like it was like every few weeks, I could take like a day and, and work on some things. So I am, you know, fortunate in some ways, but it was it was definitely a grind. It was a lot of work. I do not wish that sort of hustle on anyone, least of all myself ever again. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wanted to allow some space between season one and season two, but I wanted to make sure that for season two, that there was more space to produce the show. And so because last season, we were producing and putting out episodes almost at the same time. So like we were only maybe a couple of weeks ahead of schedule last season. I really wanted to get away from that because I believe in work-life balance <laughs> and I want to be sane when it's all said and done. And I want to be like a human and I want to hang out with my friends. I want to do things so that the people in my life know that I love them, <laughs> you know, all that. So I want to have the space for that. So I've, I've really tried to be careful about that this season.
2: Well, you're you're done with the masters now, right?
0: Thank God I graduated in May.
2: <laughs> Hurrah. Congratulations. <Thank> you. <laughs> Can I ask you what the master's was in?
0: Yeah, it's actually a, a master's of fine arts. I'm a design student, so which, you know, seems very different from podcasting. But my program allowed a lot of elective credit and a lot of what I was what I defended uh for my thesis was um, you know, like the aesthetic choices and sort of the whole building of the brand, um, but also just sort of the regular podcast stuff, too. But I I was just afforded a lot of flexibility in addition to my sort of more traditional design work.
2: There's a lot of people that you keep coming back to. I love the repetition of the conversations. And yet there's a lot of newness in the conversations, too. Like you talked to Azealia, the woman that wrote the book from 19, 1915, 1916 is, right? is when it was published 1916. I'm always a little bit behind. So <laughs> um, so you talk to her. In fact, in one of the first few episodes, you read a long letter to her explaining what you're doing with the podcast, which is amazing. And you also talk to your producer, Nicole, yes. Nicole Hill, quite
0: a bit too. And then you have guests on the show. Mm-hmm. So h- how do you juggle who to talk to when for what? Yeah, it's been really interesting figuring that out. That was a big part of... The creation of the show is understanding how I wanted to handle all of those things. I knew that I wanted to talk to Black women. I knew that I wanted to write a letter to Azalea. When I first started recording, I mean, I, I started gathering tape, I mean, probably a year before I actually started producing anything. But when we started to put together like the letters that I had written, plus the recordings that I had done, it felt flat, it felt like when, when Nicole and I would listen back, it just felt like something was missing, something was boring. And so first of all, I say this all the time, but like, listen, Nicole is the world's best producer. She's so good at her job. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was her idea when we were listening back and both of us not liking it, not sure, you know, where things were going to go. Nicole said, well, let's just record us talking about it and just see what we can pull from that. So that's what we started to do. Nicole would ask me questions about the interviews and we would record the conversation between she and I. And we discovered that like she and I have a really great dynamic. And it also helps to serve as some exposition of the interview that I do. So it gives it a little bit of context. And then, so the letter to Azalea sort of fits just outside of that as sort of my larger musings about, you know, whatever the episode's content is.
2: Hey there, it's Steph popping in with some information about the sponsors of this episode Podcorn. So many of you are podcasters and some of you probably have thought about or have tried to monetize your podcast and you'll hear about CPMs and you'll hear how many, how many downloads you need to get sponsorship from advertisers of companies and whatnot. And to be quite honest, a lot of independent podcasters do not have the downloads per episode to get a big advertiser to sponsor their show. And that's where Podcorn comes in i'm looking at their website right now there are 71 sponsorship opportunities on the podcorn.com website what i really love about it is you can look through the different opportunities you can read what the company or organization does and then you basically pitch your podcast and hey look you don't give up any rights to your podcast podcorn is here to support you at every step of the way their goal is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, we love that, and full control of how we monetize our podcasts. Go check it out. Click on the show notes and sign up for Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities for your podcast today. Thank you so much, Podcorn, for being a sponsor of this episode of Geopaths Podcasting.
1: Of it is a of
2: Do you have a view of how long? the podcast may go for like how much content can you can you or do you want to pull from the
0: book to keep going with your initial goal that's a great question i don't know exactly you know of course we're we're producing season two now so obviously there's going to be at least two seasons i have been thinking a lot about this because i have some ideas for other projects in mind and also i'm not a hundred percent certain how much more I want to talk about this particular subject. And I think even more importantly, how I can make it new and interesting. Cause I I really, you know, I want the show to be a different perspective. I don't want it to be sort of the same old thing that you hear. I mean, the format in and of itself is is fairly unique, but <laughs> I, I want to sort of look at things at a different angle. And so I'm, I'm not sure, I haven't decided yet. I would, I would like to go for another season, but I, I don't know if other things will get in front of that, I don't know, we'll see.
2: When you say other things, don't reveal too much of course, but are you talking about other podcasts or other projects, or, okay.
0: Yeah, other podcasts for sure. I know I want to do some sort of writing, when I think about it, like, I don't feel like I'm finished. I don't feel like season two is it. But I don't know that whatever comes next has to be a podcast. Yeah. But I do have other podcast projects in mind. So in between seasons, we put out minisodes. Mm-hmm. There were 10 mini And I really enjoyed doing that. Because the show itself is so produced, and we put so much work, we're so deliberate about those stories. It makes the pool of people that were able to pull from for those stories, very small. So I would really love to continue to tell the stories of more Black women using, you know, the Minnesota as a tool for that. So I do like the idea of continuing that in some way. Well, let's
2: take a chance to look back at season one then. And if <laughs> if you were to summarize season one themes, is really not the right word that I'm looking for. But the the topics covered the empowerment covered, uh, what would you is there an overarching thread in all of them?
0: I would say there's, there's not necessarily we tossed around the idea of having like sort of a, a theme that runs throughout the course of the season and decided not to do that. And so things are, you know, sort of loosely tied together. With the content in the book, and even more so, like i I originally had thought to have it um, based on chapter, but when it came down to it, there were like sentences, phrases, yeah, yeah, um that I ended up focusing on. And you know, I think for me, I had for season one, I had a lot of questions questions for Azalea, questions about what it means to be a Black woman, which I'm not sure that I had considered before I started this project, at least not, you know, in depth in this way. But I had a lot of questions and was doing sort of a lot of searching. And And I, I was curious about what other Black women uh, were feeling and thinking about some of these same things. And I think, you know, we're doing a little bit more exploring of identity with with the second season. Yeah. I, I think that's that's probably yeah. the best I can sum it up.
2: Okay, so you had said that you didn't feel like you put yourself in enough of a vulnerable place in the podcast episodes. But honestly, from what I heard in season one and, and then in the sodes Oh my gosh, there were moments of vulnerability that I was just floored by. I would like to argue with that, but I don't want to argue with you.
0: <laughs> That's fair. I, I will say like when I'm when I'm writing, when I write the letters, there's something about that that doesn't feel as weird to me because at at the end of the day, like some of it I just feel like these are my feelings and this is what they are and it's not so private, it's it is tender but I don't necessarily feel like it's something I have to hide. And it's, uh, I I have this sort of feeling that, that we're not open enough in general about these sort of things. I think the thing that makes them feel secretive and taboo and private is that we choose not to share them. And I don't think, I just don't feel like for me, at least, that I have to keep that sort of thing to myself, because those are like real feelings. I guess I've gone through enough therapy that (laughs) it doesn't feel weird anymore. um, Or as weird. It's still what what is weird is that like people know and hear things about me that I don't tell them personally. So that's, that's a that's different. (laughs) It's not something that I mind, obviously, or wouldn't put it on the internet.
2: (laughs) There's something of a truth serum to this microphone
0: it's it it's cathartic you know i've i've found it really helpful for me also just like in processing life writing down how i'm feeling and saying those things out loud and really thinking about you know what those things mean to me is is really helpful and just you know helping me to keep some perspective
2: yeah and i'm glad you said that because i kept hearing the word heal in a lot of your episodes and i also want to ask you cuz we haven't touched on it yet bad me is the the big why of why you started the podcast in the first place did those two connect the healing part and the why of the podcast
0: i think they did but i'm not sure that i knew that until i'd started the show the thing that fascinated me about this book was that you know i was i don't know 20 nine or something, whenever I found out about this. So I was floored that this book written by a Black woman Mm -hmm. over 100 years ago, I had no idea that it existed, that it, you know, was a thing that, Mm -hmm. like, I just kept feeling like, why have I never encountered this? Why didn't I learn about this in school? Mm -hmm. Why, you know, wasn't this on our bookshelves at home? And then when I started reading, the content itself was so compelling. It was, you know, beautiful and impressive at the same time, uh, because it's it's very much a book of its time. It's very much, there's plenty of be quiet and modest and, you know, ladylike. There's plenty of that in there. But there's also like, be your own person and be proud of your skin and your heritage that I wouldn't have expected. And I and I also realized sort of the gaping hole of my knowledge of things after slavery and before the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. That was a whole 100 years that I was really fuzzy for me. And I was like, "Wait. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't have a lot of knowledge about this era." So like, you know, a, aside from a few I mean a, a few key aside from a few key figures, I just I just didn't know a whole lot, and so i I wanted to do this project because i was I was compelled I wanted to learn more I wanted to understand I wanted to explore you know these ideas that were written down in this book um for me and for other black women and in that process i I found both because of this book and for things you know just like in regular real life, I found that this whole process was was very healing and so I ended up, I think, putting more of that healing process into it than maybe I I would have intended or, you know, knew that I was going to do when I set out.
2: So the reason for making the podcast shift then or it just kind of added on?
0: That that was just like an added on type thing because I still and am still very compelled by the content itself and these things that I want to learn about what is my history as a black woman and as you know this connection that I I feel like I have with the contents in this book and and the woman who wrote them and all of those sort of things but no I'm just gonna ask it
2: why do you think she why do you think we don't learn more about Azealia I mean her life was amazing
0: yeah we don't cite black women we don't listen to black women as a whole now so it definitely makes sense that a hundred years ago her, her voice wasn't heard. I mean, even, you know, you look at Zora Neale Hurston, she died a poor woman, (laughs) but we have so much reverence now for her work, um, but only in retrospect. So it, it is not surprising to me that her story hasn't come to the foreground. I just recently spoke with Maya Millette who has the Instagram account race women and it's her whole account is dedicated to, all of these Black women in history who were these activists and these dynamic thinkers and, you know, movers and shakers that we don't hear about. Her Instagram is race underscore women. And she has all of these beautiful archival photos. Um, You know, it's this amazing collection that she's put together and the stories of these women as well. I believe there's a blog. uh, I found her on Instagram, but she's absolutely lovely and she's doing amazing work. And, you know, here I've discovered Emma Hackley. And then when I found out about, you know, Maya's Instagram, I realized there's a whole slew of these women that, in addition to Emma Hackley, that I didn't know anything about, that I'd never heard of. Same deal. Historically, this is what we've done with the stories of Black women. We have chosen not to center them. We've chosen to center men, we've chosen to erase the stories of black women to minimize the stories of black women. So it's, it's, um, I'm not surprised. uh, But it is disheartening when you look at who Emma Hackley was who these all of these women were and the lives that they led and how we just don't know much about them.
2: Like the optimist to me wants to say, do you think that's changing? But that sounds like such a cheesy question in 2020 or ever.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know.
2: (laughs) Do you think it can change? I
0: think it can change. I think lots of things are possible. I am more skeptical about what is probable. You know, I want to be excited about all of the movement that I see happening, but it has not been proven to me that this excitement will last and so when I see some longevity, when I see some depth, when I see things happening, changes happening that are not sparked by a heinous event and are initiated just because they should be initiated, I'll feel a little bit better about it. But I'm I'm not especially hopeful at the moment, unfortunately. <laughs> I get
2: that. And I respect the fact that you're not being overly optimistic just for the sake of being optimistic, because that's
0: an important element to all of it. I do want to say that again I don't think that it's impossible. I think that it can happen. I'm just not holding my breath, that's all. <laughs>
2: and that's probably a safe way to go. How quiet or vocal have your has your audience been? Have you heard a lot back about their reaction?
0: Yeah, I get um I get feedback. I've people have sent like really long emails thanking me for the work, which is really wonderful. We've gotten really great reviews on Apple Podcasts, which I'm great grateful for. We've got an average five-star rating. <laughs> Yay! People, and then I hear back from, you know, sometimes people I know send me messages. I do hear back from people I would love to hear more. I would love to hear, like, people's thoughts and reflections. But I, I think that will continue to come. It's It's increased, you know, little by little over time, so... I love to hear what people think about these things, not just like, oh, your show is great, but I want to know like, what people are thinking about the content, what people think about the book if they've read it, or you know, a particular quote that they heard in an episode. Or I get a lot of feedback from people about the stories from the women that um, are interviewed. I Like, for example, a lot of people really connect with um, Heather's story from episode four, where she talks about this sense of racial responsibility, which I I don't know. I just, I was not expecting so, I mean, people have like a visceral reaction to that episode. I, I think that's probably the one we hear from the most. People just feel really connected to the way that she told her story.
2: What, what are they saying about what she said, Where, What's the reaction to?
0: Just that they also feel like that sense of racial responsibility, or like they didn't realize that was something that was important to them. Like, oh, I, you know, what am I doing to help my people? Like, what am I doing for my race? And how am I living that out in my life? Which I, I think is really telling in terms of. Like how compelling her story is because of the number of people who responded, and just the fact that that particular thing is something that resonates um, with so many with so many women is pretty awesome.
2: Were they saying it like they didn't realize that weight was even if it is a weight was there, or that they wanted to think that way more in the future, or neither of those two?
0: I think mostly that the the weight was. Or I, I don't know that I want to use that word. When I talk about it in the episode, I describe it as a weight. Like it it definitely felt like, oh my gosh, you know, like this thing that felt really heavy yeah. um, that I wasn't sure that I wanted to deal with. But the the way that Heather describes it, she makes it sound like this beautiful, wonderful thing that like, of course I want to do. And so like I heard back from a few women who, you know, said very specifically like, Yes, this is something that is important to me. This is something I want to put effort in. And that sort of aha moment that she has where she says to herself, like, I didn't pursue anything that my people need. That is what seems to to resonate. People have that aha moment and realize then, like, that is a thing that I want to do. That is the thing that I think is important.
2: Do you have a call to action is such a phrase I'm not in love with right now, but do you have a thing that you want your listeners to do after they listen to your episode?
0: Yeah. I mean, if anything at all, I want my listeners to reflect on what is important to them on why they feel the way they do about a given thing. You know, a lot of the show is about instructions that are given to, I mean, this, that's what this book is. This book is instructions on how to be beautiful. And I want my listeners to question that to think about what that means to them and to question it. And maybe they question and agree, maybe they disagree, but I think that sort of act of thinking about that thing critically is absolutely essential. I feel like it's done me a lot of good to just reflect and consider, is this a a thought pattern? Is this a feeling that I want to carry into the future? And a lot of times that answer is no. And so I just think it's important to always be evaluating. That's what I, I want my listeners to do.
2: <laughs> I'm dancing around a race question. So it, it, I'm just going to say, do you know? Like, uh, okay, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm white. Um,
0: <laughs> That's okay. <laughs>
2: there we go. Um, but I, I
0: <laughs> It sounds so weird.
2: I'm like, hey, guess what? I identify a lot with a lot of different stories of people who are struggling with how they are and how they fit into the world and that is a part of your podcast that I find gorgeous is that coming into it I am not black but I I am a woman and there's so many emotional moments and so many like reflective moments and not just about the physicality of being a woman and all that but just a lot of the different notes like pluck a chord in me. I don't think that analogy worked at all, but <laughs> it, it, it resonates with me. And I wonder if that's <sighs> not odd, but if that happens to other folks that you weren't intending to reach out to, because I imagine I am not your, what you thought your target audience would be.
0: <laughs> so you are not my target audience, but that doesn't mean that you or people like you couldn't find something, you know, meaningful in the show just as you have. I I don't think it's an, a weird thing at all that you found things to connect to. And I encourage literally anybody, men, you know, people who don't identify as black to listen. It's not that black women are the only women who struggle. I think we have a very unique sort of set of circumstances as we exist in the world. But my show centers the stories and lived experiences of Black women. But that doesn't mean that only Black women can listen and find meaning. I think uh, the core of, you know, what I find really interesting about it is is that sense of, you know, questioning and exploring and Trying to figure out um, like who we are and um, what we want for ourselves and and that is universal
2: before you created the podcast, did you look for any podcast that were doing something similar?
0: So I started out I had come to the idea I, I don't know if you're familiar with the term like epistolary novels. are you familiar with the book Are you there God it's me Margaret? Oh yes, intimately. <laughs>
2: That is a cornerstone of my prepubescent existence.
0: So, like you know, and in this book, which I'm not even sure that I've read now that I'm saying all of this, but I <laughs> I know that the the book itself is a letter that Margaret is writing to God. But it's this format of using a letter to sort of tell your story and send a message. And so, I started off really wanting to to focus on that. And of course, there there is a letter. There's a letter in every episode, but. I think in order to make it interesting to listen to, we had to uh, veer off of that to some degree. But I, I wanted to find examples of ways to do that audibly that were interesting. And I really didn't find any. I did come across at least one show. It may have been one podcast that was written entirely in the form of, the let- of a letter, the, like the whole episode was a letter. And I could not connect like I just it felt like reading it didn't feel like interesting to listen to. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to keep the letter element, but you know do something a little different. I wanted to make it a little bit more exciting if I could. And so we ultimately ended up on the you know the format that the show is now. Yeah, so I did look for a podcast that had done something similar so i I didn't find much in in terms of similar shows, and I didn't like what I did find. Yeah. I also just looked for storytelling shows that centered Black women, and I didn't find a lot of that either. There are a lot of shows, you know, more now, I think, than there have been in the past, or when I started listening to podcasts, at least, that are a lot of shows that are created by Black women, but a lot of them are chat casts, a lot of them are, like, interview shows, and those are, great and we need all of them that we can get. I also, you know, I really wanted to do like a specific type of storytelling and so I didn't find a ton of examples. So what I ended up doing though was listening to stories that I really liked and finding sort of threads that I could pull from in different and different types of stories even if the content wasn't similar. And that, I think, you know, narrowed things down. And maybe I didn't realize when I was first looking, but that narrowed things down so much that I didn't really have anything to pull from. So hitting that wall helped me to take a, a step back and say like, okay, I want to do something that doesn't have to be this like, I'm, I don't need to see this very specific thing, although that would be helpful. But I just need to find a good story and take out the elements of that that I enjoy and try to apply it to what i'm doing so i mean i think i think we did pretty good for for season one <laughs> I'm pretty pretty good pretty good
2: wait what did i see the other day did you get a, a mention in a list on the new york times yeah yeah, yeah pretty, pretty
0: good, good. <laughs> for fall 2019 we were listed as a, a show to check out in the in the new york in a new york times article so i am proud of the work that we've done which again I could not have done without Nicole. She's amazing. And I I think there's always room to grow as well.
2: And there's something to the process of finding things that aren't what you need. It kind of helps go okay, I don't want to do that. I don't mm-hmm, want to do mm-hmm. that. It does kind of help narrow it down. Cuz creativity can be overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with podcasting, there's so many there's so much you can
0: do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Have you had any people contact you and say, I like what you're doing, I'm I'm going to do something similar, but about this, or that they, that you've inspired them to start their own podcast about something they're passionate about?
0: I don't think I've gotten any messages quite like that. I have gotten, like, a few people who said, like, you know, hey, I want to do, I want to start a podcast, I really like your show. I don't think I've inspired anyone to start a show, but I have had... Some people reach out and say, like, I really like what you're doing and and ask, you know, for some tips or some advice. I have seen that a few times. And I I like I really like helping when I can. I'm not great at email all the time. I absolutely suck at social media. I am the literal worst <laughs> at social media. If I have time, I, I like to be a resource. So I I try to answer those questions as completely as, as possible. I've had a few people Reach out to me about like their like they've applied for the Google Podcast Creators program, and so they've reached out to ask about their application and what the process was like for me, you know, as a a black woman applying. So that's been really cool to to help people out in that way.
2: What is the tip you would give someone in that situation
0: for the Google Podcast Creator Creators program specifically? I think one of the, the biggest things is to to do something from a unique perspective. So if you've got an angle that's that's new, if you've got, you know, a story that's not being told, that really helps. I would also say it's really helpful to think through what it is that you want. When you know what it is that you're doing and the message that you're trying to get across, it's a lot easier to, to convey that to someone else. I encourage people to to be their whole selves, to, you know, to put all of themselves into the application and to get your story ac- across as clearly as possible.
2: I don't know, I wanna do a time question, but I'm not sure how to, how to do it. Cause okay, so she wrote the book, the original book in 1916. Or she did the beach, the presentations and stuff that got into the book around that time. And you're doing the podcast And Did you start last year or this year?
0: In, in 2019 is when the show was released. 2019.
2: Mm-hmm. So if we fast forward 100 more years, what would be the next project that someone would use to cite both of you and keep the momentum going?
0: Yeah. Well, I hope that 100 years from now, we've come a little bit further. <laughs> I think one of the things that really surprised me about doing this work is how much has not changed in a 100 years. I really hope that a 100 years from now, we've moved things forward a little bit more so that we are able to more readily center the lives and stories of Black women, that we are more able to acknowledge the value of women and outside of our physical appearance Mm -hmm. you know I I think we're still sort of struggling with the same that whole be quiet and modest and and don't be seen too much that's still a thing that's still a thing I I hope we will have gotten rid of that in a hundred years so whoever does the next thing in a hundred years from now fix that (laughs)
2: yeah (laughs) or be talking about maybe they would do a historical perspective of how it changed
0: yeah that's i i hope so i I really hope so i think we've made some wonderful progress but as someone who lives in a patriarchal society i'm just like guys you we can't we gotta do better
2: (laughs) it's it's a lot and it's a it's everywhere
0: yeah all over the place and i just you know it's possible it is possible to, to do better and to be different. Are, are we going to make the effort to get us there? <laughs> I sure hope so. I really hope so. That's where I want things to be in 100 years from now. I hope we're having the conversation. I hope we're acknowledging all of the the wonderful things that women, and in particular Black women, have to offer. And we're not fighting about you know equal pay and whether or not you can wear a pantsuit or like what any any, anything people complained about Hillary yeah. <laughs> I, I hope we're not talking about those things just
2: moving on to more relevant things yes yes and yes That's I like that, that future. future can yeah. we be there now
0: can we fast forward where's the we... the fast forward we... button press it yeah. press it hold it down
2: please I wish I had that button right now that is, that is so many levels we should leave them with your website because it has all your socials at the top.
0: Yeah, so you can um, find everything you need to know about the show at coloredgirlbeautiful.com. That's colored with an E-D. Yeah, all of our social media, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
1: Do you remember exactly when we met? I want to write a history. I want to take it step by step.
2: Thank you so much to Aselica for coming on Geopets Podcasting. It was an absolute delight to have this conversation. Also, thanks to Damon Castillo for the music that you've been hearing throughout this episode. The song in today's episode is I Will Remain, and that is off the Mess of Me album. You've heard just snippets of the song, but you'll hear the full song after I'm done talking here. For more information and to hear more of Damon and his band's music, go to DamonCastillo.com. You can find all of the podcasts within the Geopets podcasting network at steffuccio.com s-t-e-p-h-f-u-c-c-i-o i I also offer custom services including but not limited to podcast editing and podcast workshops you can find all of the information and links that have been mentioned throughout this episode at steffuccio.com forward slash geopets podcasting forward slash 15 thank you so much for listening to this episode and now let's hear that full song i will remain by damon castillo damon
1: step by step If I remember every moment past, well I can solve this mystery I can make it last I will Five I rise